Hello and welcome to season two, episode four of What So What Now What. Ravi, how are you doing? Yeah, good, thank you. Uh, not too bad myself. Good, 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 good. Just hot off the heels of a, a lame Theresa May announcement. I think it was pretty much an announcement of nothing. <laughs> yeah, right, right. And and I think we, we were sort of get we set ourselves to start recording just as she was going on. I was like, oh, yeah, let's push back half an hour. And that half an hour turned into what is it, an hour now before I actually got being able to sit down. So, um, yeah, here we are. <laughs> But let's not turn this podcast into a political podcast. Um, today's episode is about champions. And um, before we get into that, let's also do a bit of follow-up on natural language processing. Um, how do you find the episode last week? Yeah, it was good. I, I quite enjoyed the, talking about that and uh, l- listening back to it as I sort of half listened back to while doing something else because obviously you never like listening back to yourself. Um, I, th- I think it was, um, it was quite well-reasoned. I think from the feedback we've gotten on social media from people I've spoken to um, it was very interesting in terms of not only just the the how it all works and put together but also uh, I think we did semi-successfully lower the tone of it from the hyper episode where it was easier to understand and paced quite nicely and I think right. the other thing the other thing we were able to do in that episode which I quite liked um, and I, I, we've got some really good um, feedback again from from the wider audience is just about the the opportunity that this provides and sort of how this has set up the 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 next few few years in technology and indeed in data exactly it's it's such an important pivotal sort of first step that enables um i think many different ways of doing uh, analysis uh, and more importantly uh, ways of empowering analysts more importantly um to do mm-hmm. their job and um i think you know up until now it's been about sort of empowering the developer and i think that continues to be the narrative for power users but for more broad use, uh, if you look at the way technology and sort of software and industry is moving, um, this mm-hmm. is a very important step for Tableau to make. Um, uh, and also many other partners who've been doing the same thing, um, whether it's Power BI, Click, or whoever comes around tomorrow doing the same thing. Yeah, exactly. And, and the other thing that's also worth mentioning here is the, the fact that it's not that it's easy to forget that business isn't comprised. I think this is going to touch on what we're going to talk about today, actually. But it's not actually comprised of analysts and developers, right? If you think about like the largest right. businesses in the world, yeah, they're not made of. Not everyone's an analyst, right? Not everyone's sitting down and building dashboards or True. charts and True. has that mindset of trying to investigate stuff. And this sort of gives the that data to the users to to want to use the one of the of the marketing phrase at your fingertips, right? It's literally there for you to start typing and being a bit more natural and asking those questions and getting a a computer computer understanding it and then giving that answer back to you in many ways i think being an analyst is only part of many people's jobs and the very few people who are exclusively analysts as it were so mm-hmm. um this kind of this kind of power kind of really helps um we had a bit of a joke at the beginning about at the beginning of the podcast um about our name <laughs> and uh <laughs> it's probably about time we change that right yeah, I mean, uh, if we hark back to the first service, the reason we came up with that, the presentational structure, you like, yeah, is how you break it down. But I think since since the what it's been a year and a bit now since we've been there, it's like, well, I hate telling people like our oh, three watts pod. What did that mean? Oh, well, it's called what? So what now? What? Why is it called that? And it's like what? Not what? Not what? 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 Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, it's it starts turning into a rap song. Like what? What? So, Say what? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so let, let's change that. Let's change Absolutely. that. Absolutely. And so we do have a, a new name um, that we're going to be pushing um, uh, into our podcast or more more importantly across our, our sort of podcasting uh, content. Um, it's called Datum. Um, datum. Datum is itself actually a word. Um I should probably touch on where I came across this word. I think mm-hmm. um, I'm a big fan of a guy called Nicholas Felton. And in one of his reports, oh, yes, of course. Uh, he actually built his own app to help him collect um, information. Um, and so datum, oh. if you look it up in the dictionaries, uh, it really literally translates into pieces of information. So he built an app to collect pieces of information. And so I thought it was quite a fitting name for our podcast because what we hope to do over you know over time is to have sort of these snippets of information on different topics and different subjects whether technical or soft and so i thought it sort of mapped quite nicely to to our theme so borrowing a little bit from the shoulders of the great but um yeah yeah no i i like that i like that i think that really fits into the the rebrand from just generally talking about a topic at a time to actually thinking about how we're structuring with the bits and the bytes so um but don't worry listeners like it's going to be exactly the same structure the exact same content we just changed the name right. it's like when google became alphabet but right. really in your head it's still google right that sort of thing yeah and we're um, taking or sif and jif is the other one for UK <laughs> listeners. yeah exactly and we're just taking the opportunity also to do a bit of a rebrand a re- not restructure content but to make sure that we we spread our content in sort of more places so um uh, when 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 we make this name change, you shouldn't need to change anything in your podcast app of choice. Um, the feed will automatically update um, existing and new content uh, with the name. Um, if you uh, if you want to catch our episodes in new places, we're going to be also putting them on YouTube. Um, and mm-hmm. we're also going to be using a nice, wonderful NLP-powered feature of YouTube to produce tr- transcripts of the show. So uh, going back right back to episode number one, um, you'll be able to find transcripts on our website. And our website is going to be Datam, po- Datam Podcast. Oh, <laughs> Can't even get this one right. <laughs> Can't get this one right. Uh, datumpodcast.com. So it's exactly. much, much easier to find and type. I, th- I think also... <laughs> And also, as it as it spreads through word of mouth, it'd be easier for people to say they've got really been to this great podcast. Oh, what's it called? It's called Datum, rather than what's it called? It's called What So What Now. Oh, wow, <laughs> yeah. man! When you have what in the in the what's it called? Ah, oh, yeah, that's a real that's a real tongue twister. <laughs> oh yeah, right. In, and and in, 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 for for our um, quest for global domination, it's it's not helpful to be down on that SEO, right? Oh man, yeah. I think if you just search uh, what so what now what. Um, even the acronym, which I, I spent ages putting into uh, SEO web pages, it still doesn't come up. So, no, this is a, <laughs> this is a, a very welcome uh, little sort of um, change for us and more broadly shouldn't change our content. But before... So, Tim. Bef- yeah, go for it. Yeah, so, Tim. So, season two, episode four of the Dayton podcast. Uh, what are we talking about? <laughs> Absolutely. We are talking about champions, uh, not the Yorkshire slang for absolutely excellent. Uh, we're talking about <laughs> champions in the organizations, right? Exactly. And, and again, it's not anything to do with sports as much as um, I'd love to talk about wax lyrical about sports all day. This is another one of my passion topics, which is um, a champions. And by this, we mean the evangelists, the experts, the, the organic heroes of an organization. And, um, the people who you know they 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 have something within them a quality that means they they're almost selfless in the way they sort of 
um, share what, what they what share stuff that they're interested in. Like uh, the passion was it was the word um, pet passions. No, that's not. It. Damn, Ravi, you went straight into passion a description project. there. Like <laughs> yeah. passion projects. I was gonna I was like, gonna challenge you, and literally every word you use there for a champion because um, I think in different places they mean different things, right? Ah, okay, okay, let's go. Right, hit me. <laughs> so this so is I said evangelist. This is this is actually something that I'm, I want to get off my chest because it massively frustrates me that I think in a lot of contexts we we come up with the with the term champions and we don't realize that a champion is different in every organization, but we use this generic sort of descriptor and we all Mm -hmm. think they mean the same thing and then you get sort of this discourse about what it means to be (laughs) a champion in a particular company or or how to do a champion for a particular product let's say tableau or adobe which i've talked about in the past and no two sort of (laughs) things translate to each other and it really frustrates me that that's not apparent when 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 that discourse happens everyone thinks a champion is the same thing and yet as as consultants we see this time and time again. A champion who might be successful in one place would absolutely flop her somewhere else. Yeah, and I, I think I'm, I'm laughing along the way because it's literally what I did. The first thing I did was exactly that. It's like, what is a champion? Let me explain to you by using <laughs> seven other different words for champions. Like, and open up a thesaurus, to, a thesaurus to the word champion and just blurted it back at you. I didn't really explain what I meant, uh, which is a very valid point. And yeah. I, can, I actually do agree with you to an extent because... Um, I think you really do need to be very careful on how you define what a champion is, right? Especially when when we're thinking about it in the context of a role, exactly. uh, or or a characteristic or a trait, um, because it, again, it, like you said, it means, it means different things. And like is as you say, if I picked up, um, Google's ethics champion and put them in the middle of uh, a medical ethics champion scenario that person would be like, hang on a second, I need to go back to like medical school or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You, you need the context. Yeah, context is everything. It's absolutely key. And so like I, so one of the things I also, I also sort of find really difficult in this discussion about champions is that um, yes, they mean different things in different places. However, I think people do need some sort of commonality in, in, in the way they find them. So whilst, um, you know, different people have different qualities and that's intrinsic in the way that, you know, just people in an organization work. Um, Mm -hmm. You need some sort of, um, I'm going to say common way of cultivating champions because it's not, it's not sustainable in an organization to go around to each individual, figure out how they work and then try and bring out the champion in them. Right. You can't, you don't have time to do that. You kind of need a, a way of, cultivating champions in a, in an enterprise situation where you have thousands of employees who are accessing an analytical bit of software, right? That's exactly it. And, and this, this is, um, this touched on some piece of stuff I've been doing a lot recently, which is thinking about a lot of this sort of enterprise level rollout and like, how do you find your champions when you're hard? Well, if you find, if you start at the bottom, right, if you're starting right at the bottom of the wire with a startup company and you're going to add 10 employees tomorrow and you're saying each one of you is going to be head of a department, and then in in, five, in in a year's time, we're going to add three more people to each department, and you are you're going to find you oh, one of those people is going to be a champion in that department. Right. That's easy, like it, well, not easy of course because startups are never easy, and there's all sorts of stuff going on. But I, in a hypothetical world, in a ceteris paribus, all things being equal, um, scenario, that's that's perfect. Right now, companies who want to find champions and grow champions and find like 
have this champion mindset. Um, they don't stop working just because someone wants to have this global strategy for um, building this culture, right? Because right. cultural ch- change management takes time. Cultural cultural change takes time. But you can't just stop doing what you're doing day in, day out because you're like, I need this one full-time employee to go around and find out per region who are the champions and then interview them, survey them, have this standardized way of measuring how good they are. And then we're going to come back and we're going to say, you guys are the champions. And then we're going to start like no board or anyone is ever going to sign up on that. And if they do, well, kudos to how you sold it, because it's it's almost like you're trying to um, fix your car while it's moving. Right. That, mm-hmm. That's that's what we're going getting at. Like you're in the you're in the Le Mans rally yeah. uh, with an old car and you're trying to add a turbo booster and DRS at the same time <laughs> while also trying to be competitive. Right. Exactly. It's a, it's it's kind of a tough thing to do. Um and so I, I think we I think we're we're sort of slowly transitioning into the um the so what here where we sort of mm-hmm. try and unpick sort of I guess different types of champions, but also just just generally sort of why they're important because um And what their role is as yeah, well. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I, I guess let's start there. Like what's the mm-hmm. what's the role of a champion, or at least how do you see that sort of play out in organizations that you've engaged with? Yes. So I'm, I'm really, uh, the way I always approach this is it's like, where do you want to be in a year's time and how much control do you have on what, what happens next? Because getting that buy-in from the top um, to say, for someone to say, this is a directive that we're going to follow. We're going to commit to this route for at least one year and then we're going to review it. Um, that's really important. And that's where you, that that's where you typically start, but also you need to get the people at the bottom on the side. So it's like a, top down and bubble up and then you're in the middle trying to coordinate thing and orchestrate now the, the role of the champion basically is because uh most firms uh have this the pyramid structure right mm-hmm. so there's a few people at the top and many people at the bottom and no no directive from the top will influence and make some people at the bottom do exactly what you tell them to uh no matter how hard you try no matter how much incentives you put in and again this this then comes back to my behavioral economics love right bit where you can nudge and incentivize and do all these different things to uh, change people but really what you need is um to use a almost like a sales strategy right where you land and expand you mm. basically plant people and show sh- enable those people in those different parts of the organization to become an extension of yourself and the vision that you want to embody right. and therefore a vision that the the, the, the directive embodies it's a really difficult thing here because even with all those things, right, um, you know, things still go wrong, right? Even with all those sort of sort of targeted efforts and very structured and very organized sort of approach, um, mm-hmm. and more so, more ways than sort of a very simple job description to do, like, I don't know, let's say development work or, um, you know, a role description in, in an organization to do a specific thing, a champion sort of job description, as it were. It's kind of just to do whatever's required to get the company forward or, um, you know, sort of push the mission of the company forward in a way. But there's no real direction of where that is. No, no. And that's the that's where personality traits really come into it. Right. Because that that person has to be has to have a vested interest. Right. They have to actually want to do it. Mm-hmm. Like because if, if you tell someone that they can easily retort, you know, I'm doing my day to day. It's not part of my job description. If you want to pay me more or change my role, then yeah, I'll do it. Otherwise, why should I? What is it in it for me? Right. Cause this, this is generally how we work. 
um, that person then also has to have a desire to learn more and develop and almost go beyond. And as you mentioned, this it's unwritten their directives, right? They they, they yeah, might yeah. have this thing of, um, you know, I, I love to make this a thing in our company and grow this grow this service and make sure that everyone thinks like I do and sees the value in this awesome thing. But they have to have that drive and then also feel like they're they have the tools and the ability to go out and you know do that because as you as i said earlier like these people very rarely will this become a full-time role very rarely um it, it'd be, be people doing this on the side as part of their part of their job or as, as a passion project um to push that needle um and it, you know most of the time what will happen is a, a company's needs day-to-day will take priority over uh, some strategic goal that you might have right. um started um down right mm-hmm. exactly and and you know, if I if I sort of touch on one aspect of this is, mm-hmm. um, I think this fundamentally falls apart when a company's mission isn't actually very clear. So it's very mm-hmm. hard for champions to sort of run with the flow if they if there's no sort of very clear mission and objective of the company as, as such. So if I take a very simple example, let's say I run Acme Industries, and mm-hmm. our mission is to um i mean missions are normally quite vague in in, in a sense aren't Complete, they? of course <laughs> i was they about are. to, of course to give are. something really specific and then i fell into my own trap there but missions yeah. are sort of um the missions try and encapsulate the ethos and the way in which a company does something and to what end right so yeah so like here's an objective this is how we're going to do it and we hope to get here we hope to get there in this particular way so so, so both of us are fans of Amazon and Apple, right? right so right. what would you say Amazon's mission is? Oh, man. Amazon's mission is probably to help you get from A to Z, whatever A to Z is. <laughs> right, true. And then Apple's would be, I guess, to create a product that's a pleasure to use, which doesn't require manual. I don't think it's even something create like a that. product. It's to create delight in products or something. An like experience. It's to create delight. Yeah, 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 full stop. How they Just do that. Just get your Joni like, Ivo. Yeah. <laughs> Get your Joni I voice out. You really thought about the phone. But they're, really but, they're, but they're really high level sort of statements that allow, yeah. I guess, employees to, um, uh, what is it, a morph into how they see that mission. And generally speaking, a good mission means that everyone in the organization might interpret certain aspects uh, slightly differently. But mm-hmm. everyone understands the end goal very well and understands, you know, the ethos behind something. So you like you'll get this in consulting where you go to one company and a thing that people will say is that's not how we do things around here. Right. And yeah, yeah. those those are the companies where, you know, the mission is ingrained. Like people probably, uh, you know, <laughs> spend five minutes reciting the mission before they start working every morning. Um, and <laughs> the then, pledge allegiance <laughs> to the flag. Yeah, exactly. And then you go to other organizations where. Um, the mission statement is a little bit sort of vague. Uh, it sounds like something you've heard before. Um, you know, actually, I, actually, you'll find employees describing their company like another company. So, mm. you know, one example is um, I go into a client and they'll describe themselves as X. Then I'll go into another client and they'll describe themselves. Oh, have you heard of this, guys? Yeah, we're like them. And it's like, oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> what is it? Well, my fa- my favorite fad of like two years ago is like we're Uber for. Oh right? yeah, exactly. Yeah, those Deliveroo are, is yeah. Uber for food. Yeah, exactly. Those are companies with no mission. Is literally just latching onto anything. They yeah, can find. well, and I, th- I think Laundrap was like we d- we're Uber for laundry. It's like, but you're not. You st- like you're, you're saying not. Uber just because like you press a button and yeah. something arrives. Exactly. Um, and Uber's philosophy isn't just yeah. 
Like they were kind of they were <laughs> missing the point. They were referring to Uber as in in scale rather than um you know in in, in ambition. But we're sort of go, going off the track here. Um, so going, I'm 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 going to challenge you there go too, for it. Uh, on the the mission point because I don't think that the the mission is what um a champion sees. What 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 the thing that guides someone like that is, um because we're very centralized people right as human beings we're very centralized what is it how is this going to change my life how is it going to change the way i think um and i think that's where everything starts like you, if you find that why and the what within you um and then you start relating out slowly in like concentric circles you start with you yourself and then you go out to um your department you go out to your job and then you go then you eventually reach the wider business but Really, where, where, where I'd say it starts is when you can say the value I see here will help this department. It's very much a de- departmental thing. And then what will happen is once if there's a platform for people to showcase the, the, the success stories and the dollar value savings and the cost savings and the time savings, that's where other people start to adopt. And that's where you see other champions come up. Now, we're sort of drifting towards how do you measure a champion as a person but then how do you measure the, the impact right um i think i think let's just stop you there a second because i think mm-hmm. um i think you skipped something there which is right um i think you're falling victim to this thing i said earlier on which is you've described <laughs> a particular type of champion and so i think mm-hmm. you absolutely nailed it when you said um how do you measure champions right how do you measure the the qualities of a champion and i think mm-hmm. This is actually a really good point to sort of just step back a minute and let's let's just sort of thrash out the different kinds of champions. So, sure. um, I made some I made some sort of um, notes. For, um, so, mission mission, you know, champions of your mission was an easy one. You know, who do you see that portrays the you know the mission of your company? Number one. Sure. Um, the second one was people who challenge your thinking. So, champions aren't there just to you know just follow the Bible as it were. They're they're also there to challenge it. You know, challenge it the way it's understood. Challenge the way things the disruptors. are done. Exactly. And then um, once you once your challenges sort of come to the play, you need some early adopters to sort of take on that philosophy and try it out. You mm-hmm. know, take risks on behalf of others and find out where you waste time and where you don't waste time. And then that's yeah. where your value drivers turn up, right? Because they, the value drivers say, hey, look, in, we've tried these 20 things. These are the three things that actually create value for us today. Mm-hmm. Let's accelerate these forward. And then uh, to do that, guess what? You need CPD activities, right? So then you have uh, champions. So CPD here being? Uh, oh, sorry, con- continual professional development. So yeah. uh, training at work. So not just CPD of others, so training of others, but also training of self. Because if you're going to go out and show people how to use this wonderful stuff, you might have mm-hmm. learned it as an early adopter. But when you have to teach it, it's a completely different thing. So you have to kind of give yourself some training, you know, maybe train the trainer or some sort of training like that to then allow yourself and then the last quality in my mind is sort of professional leaders you know people who can take all of those things we've just mentioned and package it into an individual right and then sort of guide each and every one of those activities to in through through its uh, through its uh, fruition as it were it's sort mm-hmm. of to the end conclusion and so i don't think that champions or a champion has to have all these qualities i think no. in an organization you can have different kinds of champions working to the same aim as long as there's some sort of level of leadership that's bringing the activities of those people together oh yeah i mean that's a fantastic point um mainly because of the way you've sort of ramped that up and i really like that so i'm just gonna 
go back to the bits that I yeah um that I quite liked because like for example the um challenge your thinking one is really important the people that I will stop you and say but why are we doing it like that or why should why are we focusing on that aspect when if you think about this as a wider thing and where we want to be how do we change that that that's really important now the other thing that's also important is the value drivers because as I mentioned something that's very important from the get-go is to get some senior buy-in um to show the impact it will have and this is where the early adopters are so vital the the, the blueprint you set out with these first like the the first first sort of men or women children who go well obviously not children because children don't work <laughs> but like the, the folks that go ahead and um start saying like right we're going to do it this way for a period of time and we're going to set up this framework and we're going to make mistakes we're going to learn from them right and then what we're going to do is feed that back and then we're going to try it one more time and then one more time and then once we've done it three times over or however many times or how many few times you want to do it that's when you can go back to the business and say hey so uh, that thing we tried it actually is going to be a fantastic thing or it maybe it's something we, we need to treat something and do something slightly different uh because as you mentioned in a podcast where we talked about platforms moving away from old school platforms is really hard really hard uh, and also moving away from new new platforms as well like i think about microsoft and azure the second you bought into azure and everything that azure offers ripping yourself off that and saying hey we're not going to use that but can we keep office 365 i don't know yeah I, i'd love for, if your listeners actually had this conversation with a microsoft rep I'd love to know how that goes down. It's like you get, you, it's so easy to get stuck into, it's like, for example, another, another like more human example is um, so few people change their banks, like, right? Like right, current account. Right, yeah. You've got, once you've got it, you just keep it. Yeah. Um, what's another one? A washing machine. I, we, we, I often, I once likened a, uh, a database to a washing machine. You don't change it until it breaks. Exactly. You don't change it until you literally Every have decade. To. Yeah. Exactly. It's such a long <laughs> life cycle um so again i've gone gone off a bit but uh, it's it's once you have those things in place uh that's when you can move forward now a lot of people will jump to the self-development section and the training section really early on yeah because they think oh well let's grow our too early too early yeah it it depends right because you the thing about going too far too fast is you lose that buzz right True. Um, that that buzz about the new technology that you've showcased, the new technology you've shown, or the new th- way of thinking you've shown. Like for example, I've heard a, a customer again. We're going to go back to Tableau here. Um, and what what they did was they um actually just spent a year going from department to department, giving people two week trials, and then taking it away. Just right. recycling, recycling, recycling. Right. And then the way they they identified their champions is the people who kept coming back and saying, "When do I get that thing back? That was really cool." Mm-hmm. Right. And that's how you spot those people who can immediately think and challenge and challenge the work they're doing and see how this can augment, improve or develop the work that they do. Right. Yeah. It's a, it's a really tough one as well, because one thing I never, I don't hear a lot of, I hear a lot about champions and champions is a very individualistic term, right? Like who are our individuals, but what I don't hear a lot about is um, sort of champion teams, you know, I, I'd, yeah. I'd, I've never heard like a, um, a business leader talk about champions as being a team so this team it, you know okay actually i have but it's very rare mm. to hear people talk about this team is our champion for this right it's all it seems mm. to be this all this emphasis on, on the individual and actually i think that's a lot of pressure especially in an organization 
to put on someone because it can either go one of two ways. Um, either that person you know, really steps up um, and sort of pushes the company forward in lots of different ways. But if the incentive structure isn't set up right for that individual and also um, for their own development, it can sort of go the other way, right? You spend all this mm-hmm. effort and time developing champions for them to only leave because you train them up so well. They become sort of industry leaders, as it were, and sort of many, many champions in the community as well as in your organization. They become unicorns. Exactly. And, and so they be, you know, and it doesn't take them long to figure that out and they, and they yeah. move on. Um, on the flip side, you know, if you sort of water it down too much and uh, you make your whole team's champions, then no one real person has actually got the incentive to, to sort of push something forward to new levels. It's sort of when something's a responsibility of the collective, then it tends to be no one's responsibility, right? Exactly. Uh, exactly. But that's, that's really sort of, you want somewhere in the middle, some sort of balance between the two where uh, you kind of had different champions. I, I'll touch on Adobe because I love Adobe it's too much. I think I keep referring <laughs> to Adobe all the time. Um, I love I love their evangelists, right? And to me, an evangelist is a champion. They're a technical champion, as it were. They show you how to do things um, with the product, okay? So yeah. Um, yeah, if I if I look at Adobe, Terry White, I'm, I, can't, I don't know how many YouTube videos I've watched of Terry White showing um, people how to do stuff in Adobe InDesign, Illustrator, or Photoshop. Um, and equally, there are other champions in other sort of uh, products, but they all have sort of unique aspects of them. But when they come together as a team to make something, sort of the quality of their outfit isn't just the sum total of three people it's it it, it sort of transcend transcends to another level right it's like when Mm -hmm. you bring these three awesome people together and you put them in a room the output isn't 3x it's 10x because they're Mm -hmm. multiplying off each off each other's sort of sort of brilliance and that's the hard thing to really cultivate in a team it, it's not impossible. <laughs> like not not to put a dampener, but right. it's such a rare thing Very rare, because yeah. that that because that is the fundamental issue that we have in our time. Like we, this is going to get really deep and meta, right? It's <laughs> the the fundamental issue we have in our time as employees. The reason that in the world of tech and data, we're going to have to wait till the primary school kids who are learning how to like code a Raspberry Pi are in the in the job market before we get to this point. The reason for that is because. The skill shortage right now in this field is so big mm-hmm. and people aren't thinking the way you and I think, right? If we have to break down, the amount of times we, we have to break down the what, the way we've approached a problem, because at the end of the day, as consultants, um, both of us are problem solvers, I'd say. I think that's right. the easiest way I've explained it to mm-hmm. uh, folks who are prospectively joining the data school or if I've explained it to my friends about what I do, it's, it always comes back to I'm solving other people's problems. Um, and that that's a fundamental thing like you have to if you're changing 10,000 people in the company and you're saying you know that thing where you used email and you're like oh man email mm, not sure about that to get your reports <laughs> yeah and we weren't having meetings all the time well we're about to change that again we're going to give you this tool called tablet and you have to log into this platform and then you have to find the charts you want to look at mm-hmm. and then you have to click around on them because that's how you investigate it's like no give me the report <laughs> like like that's exactly what happens and um the role of a champion is, uh, it, it, I think the, the thing that is easily missed out in it from your list is, um, I guess the CBD one does cover it, but it's an educator. Yeah, uh, it's someone right. that's constantly educating um, other people in the organization, people around them, and really continually, like thanklessly, relentlessly selling that message. You know, it's that, um, a good example um, would be like, you know, that the person that tells, like Pavlovian training, right? Yeah. Um, 
when you're telling someone something over and over and then giving them a task afterwards, suddenly that then becomes intrinsically into habit. And then you start doing that without realizing it. Again, this is where we get the nudge concepts in. Right. Um, but yeah, the, the, the cultural change and the educational change is, is long and difficult. As you say, it's also the other is- issue that people might find is um, people leave. Um, right. But the, the, the trick is to build that, build that mentality within people that like, we're building something that you want to be part of. You don't want to miss it. Okay, so this really nicely touches uh, on something that companies don't often think about before sort of investing heavily in time and resources and, you know, obviously money. Um, that is culture. And it, it's it's something that, um, you know, I came across a couple of weeks ago, which is the model for managing complex change. Um, this is a, it's a sort of a theoretical model. Um, I'll put a link to the show notes. But what I really love about this is that it sort of breaks down sort of the different components for change. And ultimately, culture is about delivering continuous change in, a, in, a, in an organization. I think people always think culture is this static thing that doesn't change. It's just this, this thing that, that, that stands still. Uh, and what you're trying to do is defend it. When actually, culture is actually about this sort of constantly evolving sort of workplace and how you continually sort of add elements to that. And what I love about right. this model is that it, it nicely touches on the core components, so vision, skills, incentives, resources, action plan, um, and then that all results in success. And we've kind of actually touched on all these aspects in some of our, our thinking. But uh, what it also shows is sort of what happens when you're just missing one of these components. So right, you could have, you know, I'll just I'll, I'll just give one simple example. Uh, mm-hmm. You could have the vision, the skills, incentives, and resources, but completely screw up on your action plan, which means you end up yep. with a false start. And I love that. Yep. I love that because it's so easy to just forget this yeah and, and that, that's that's like if you don't have a vision or a goal or something you're aiming at and you don't like this is how we're going to do it we're going to start off with this first pilot then we're going to try this different thing then try this other thing and all the, that's that's where you get that false start and i think the next one on that like this matrix that tim's, tim's referring to uh, is if you don't have the resources so you've got the plan you've got the skills the incentives and the vision but you don't have the resource. Uh, sorry, you don't have the resources to do it, which means like you just get you're pounding your head against the wall almost. You're like you're talking to um, I'm talking about this grand vision that you have um, about what you're going to do with within the actual grand scheme of things, and then suddenly you're like, well, actually, we're going to take two people off your team, or we're going to take off, you know, I don't know, three different things. Or so you can you can have this product. Here's you Tableau, run out of money. Here's Power BI, but you can't yeah. have enough licenses for it to, to actually make it work, right? <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. Like, we wouldn't meet this enterprise wide, and you tell everyone about it, and then suddenly it's like uh, we're only going to buy ten licenses. Yeah, so, exactly. And let's cycle the licenses around while we're at it, so we can get thirty people right. using those ten. <laughs> <laughs> so common, so common. Um, and, and this is it, and it's. It's, I mean, we're not going to sort of pivot to culture now because I think that's a separate topic. Whole Analytical culture is a separate. separate topic, but it's so vital because yeah. without culture, you don't create any sort of canvas where champions even stand a chance of succeeding. Um, um, and then, you know, if I touch on the last thing, which is professional leaders, I think this is the one thing that you, I think most companies actually do have a good feeling for. Um yeah by virtue of other sort of mechanisms in the business so you tend to find professional leaders are incredibly good at navigating a 
I'm going to say company politics, and I don't mean that in a negative way uh, necessarily. I just mean sort of understanding the way uh, your particular organization goes from A to B is really important. And professional leaders are, you know, just naturally rise to the top because they, they prove time and time again, they know how to navigate this and they know how to handle these things. In lots. Of I think ways. that's, uh, yeah, and I think that's awareness. I think that's awareness of, of the the industry you're working in, the company you're working in. And uh, as, as you say, those people self-select themselves as like, I want to be two rungs higher, so what do I need to do? They speak to the right people, understand the company, they understand what matters to the right people, and then they sell that slice of the dream to them right, right? Exactly. And, and then and then that in turn allows them to motivate the people further downstream you know this is this is where we're touching on that bubble up and bottle um bubble up yeah bubble up and t- um top down thing right they, they're able to speak to senior management and really speak to those people in in the higher positions and offer them something that they're interested in right and then they're about to, allowed to able to turn around to everyone that's going to do the work and they're able to say hey this is what you're interested in. This is what I'm, what I'm going to do to help you. And it suddenly stops becoming that thing where it's like, how is this going to help me? And it's, it becomes this thing where it's like, let's do this together. And you're, you're creating this really motivational uh, culture. And I think that's, that's where we get to the, 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 the start of this whole pit piece, which is you're thinking about there's different types of champions. And um, that's, that's, that's awesome, right? That that's such a cool thing to understand. And, be aware of um because it's it reminds reminds me at least that there's so many different thing activities that can be done in organizations to get the right people on site right and it doesn't start with just planting one person who's uh, really passionate and thinks that it's interesting in like three different teams exactly exactly wow so go for it so so what like what what next what what are we doing with this so like the the thing that i'd like to finish off on is uh, the measurement piece I talked about. Mm-hmm. So um, measuring champions is is really important because you want to measure that progress. Because if we go back to that that frustration piece, if if you don't have um, the action plan and the vision, right? If you don't have that sort of goal, and then you can't come back to that 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 directive that you've had for a year and say, here's what we've done and here's w- what's changed, and you can't map that growth of individuals of teams of the company of departments and the impact you've had um as a leader as a value driver as a adopter you can't really go back and justify the things you've done and it is so important the amount of customers i've spoken to on this sort of uh, the strategic level and said you really have to start thinking about collecting those use cases collecting those dollar value time saving things that really help you drive yourself forward mm-hmm. and this is where it really comes down to the fact that if you're not able to do that and pull those things out on demand and you're not collecting as you go, first of all, you can't, it's really hard to retrospectively collect those things. Right. Um, second of all, uh, you can't use those figures and that, that data to motivate people. Like for example, if you could show someone his, like, uh, let me go back to an example with my Tableau public profile. I can scroll back to my first ever pieces of work on there and then scroll back up to my first piece, first, my most recent pieces. And I can show that journey, right? Now, that's a really powerful thing to show, you know, a middle of me a few months ago if I was feeling, you know, down or something, right? right? Yeah, yeah. Or me next week when I'm feeling like, oh man, I'm really forgetting all this stuff. But you really need to show that journey and measure that journey and allow people to reflect and understand that 
what they what they're gaining, right? Exactly. And to stop them getting frustrated. Absolutely, and I, I think also touching on that, I think the most important, the most valuable part of that exercise is actually context. And you can't mm-hmm. get context by simply sitting in your own organization. You can't get context by just going around, you know, meeting rooms and asking people, hey, what do you think of, you know, the, this work or the value this can bring? You get context by taking yourself out into the wider community, as it were, whether it's uh, your industry, uh, whether it's mm-hmm. other peers in the same uh, sort of uh, organization, but in different business units that see value in different ways, whether it's finance, HR, legal. Um, and you get context by immersing yourself in other places where value sort of uh, bubbles up to the top so uh, maybe going to conferences and getting involved in debates and stuff and i know this sounds like i'm i'm turning into a marketing sort of um marketeer for for events mm. but there really is no better value than actually just talking to other people who are doing the same thing because it's only then when you let's say have to share your ideas with people that you really get the critique that you kind of need you'd never get inside of your organization because uh or any uh, any echo chamber for that yeah exactly because exactly it, uh, yeah yep. absolutely it's the biggest criticism of some of the communities that we're part of but um yeah it's exactly that and you, you you kind of you need to go somewhere where no one knows who you are no one knows what you do people aren't sort of drinking the kool-aid and they can just give you raw honest feedback because um, one of the funniest sort of contrasting things is obviously there's this Power BI versus Tableau world stuff, okay? Mm-hmm. And what I always find funny is that, um, you, uh, you know, people who absolutely love Power BI and they're professionals who literally their whole entire career in Power BI, um, they get Power BI, they get the way it works, they get the challenges that it can solve. Then on the other hand, you have sort of Tableau professionals um, let's be fair, haven't been around as long as Power BI professionals. Um, but on the flip side, they understand the Tableau philosophy, okay? Mm-hmm. And they have this sort of real friction where they they kind of try and go at each other and say, hey, this is better. How can you use that? And how can you do that? And they're arguing completely different points. It's like if somebody who's using Power BI clearly doesn't care about X and someone who's using Tableau mm-hmm. clearly doesn't care about Y. That's why they're mm-hmm. using those different things. That's That's why with all, you know, all, all due respect, they ended up in different places because they see the world differently. Yep. And and so when people argue, you know, when people go back and forth um, because they see the world differently, that, that gets you nowhere. But when you have a common understanding of a goal and you go out to the community and you talk about that goal and how to get there, then you actually start talking about the same thing and you can actually get valuable feedback about where you're heading and where you're not heading. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think I think uh, to use an analogy, it's like when you compare phones, right? Like someone right, who might be right. using, an uh, what is it, a, um, a really old LG phone, but really all they're using it for is getting text messages, using WhatsApp every now and again, and sending text and, and like um, receiving and sending phone calls. Whereas other people who have an iPhone and they'll be like completely using it all the time because that becomes their centralized point. And that's exactly there is no superiority between two products in of as you mentioned because. They, they service completely different crowds. Uh, and it, it comes back to exactly what you said. It's about what is important to an organization. Right. Um, that's what it ultimately comes down to. And, and that's the same thing for champions, I think. Exactly. And, uh, and I think that's, I think that's the most valuable bit. That's the most sort of most important. So what, you know, mm-hmm. understanding the context of where you are as a company, who you have as, you know, your champions, your individuals, and then who your wider workforce is, is basically, and then 
having a clear understanding of where you're heading so that you can actually bring all the constituent parts of that journey together in the right time, in the right place, um, so that you can actually deliver some of that change. And, you know, this is all abstract. Um, we haven't once today talked about anything tangible that you can actually hold no. or see. Um, so that in itself is actually kind of hard because, you know, we might describe it one way, but in reality, it looks entirely different in different organizations. Um, and, and maybe that's another podcast. Right? Maybe that's another podcast where we actually get into the weeds a bit and say, here's some raw examples, some tools, some things you can do. Uh, obviously, a lot of our examples will be on Tableau, Tableau Server, Alteryx. Right. Right. Um, among other things, <laughs> uh, maybe maybe even quantified self really falls into this oh, quite man. nicely, actually. Oh, man, so much, so much there. I think it's funny. Quantified self is one of those great areas where, um, whenever you, you you go to a meetup, um, everyone sort of respects the talk that's going on because you all track such different things about yourself that no one can really speak up and say you're doing it wrong because mm. it's about the self. So no one can really come up to you and say, hey, you're doing that wrong because no one understands you better than you. So it's one of the unique things I love about that community is that <laughs> there's no wrong answer and, and there's sort of really good mutual respect for everyone's approach, regardless of how simple or complex it is. I love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, and I think this, this is definitely for another episode, but a company is definitely doing some quantified self when you're trying to do some metadata stuff oh, wow, where you're yeah. trying to understand how your company works yeah. that's that's all quantifying yourself so, yeah, but hey that, that's that's another yeah, qualitative or quantitative way it's the same thing mm -hmm. absolutely exactly okay great i think that's been an episode um uh, this is oh, season two episode four i quoted earlier season four episode two got that the wrong way around um <laughs> <laughs> between uh this episode and the next episode um as we mentioned at the beginning of the show look out for a change in name the album art will also change or the show art will change um mm -hmm. but you won't need to change anything in your podcast player so if you're listening to us now um then you don't need to change anything um once the change has happened, um, our Twitter handle will also change. So that will change to mm -hmm. Datum Pod. Um, but uh, again, no need to change uh, which account you follow. We'll just simply be doing a little rename switch name swap. Um, on, on Twitter. So um, look out for that. Look out for the messages. Um, help us spread the message, as it were. We're going to be doing mm -hmm. a lot of promotion and uh, trying to get more and more listeners involved um ravi my amazon uh, s3 bucket bill uh, went up this month so we're definitely amazing we're definitely we're definitely getting more listeners which is great <laughs> that's, that's my I, I, I love that uh, yeah i love i love that that's our benchmark to see how, how many listens we're getting like uh, it's quite hard to get that data out of apple or whatever podcasting app we're using so we just see how many times that the we're being charged for the um for the uh mp3 to be streamed exactly right? it's actually just bandwidth and, and storage so it's like <laughs> okay we're producing more episodes tick um and how much how much bandwidth are we streaming as a percentage of our total storage basically and that's that's right. basically the number i'm currently using and i think the pricing is more complex than that but anyway when the number goes up i'm thinking yes we're getting more people because it's a monthly <laughs> it's a monthly target so <laughs> wonderful great uh thanks for listening and we'll catch you in the next show Cheers, guys. Take it easy.